case study. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Psalm 19 this morning. If you need a Bible, guys are up front with the Bibles in hand. They'd love to bring you one. Just raise your hand and they'll get one right to your seat so you can follow along with us this morning. Psalm 19. We're just going to look at verse 7 and a part of verse 8, but I want to read uh, verses 7 through 11 so you kind of get the whole picture here of what we're going to look at this morning. Psalm 19. All right, starting in verse 7, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are, Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them... There is great reward. The time I study this morning is a resolution for the new year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together this morning, Lord, and this opportunity to be in your word and to get a fresh start this morning. We pray, Father, your blessing upon our time together. We pray, Lord, that we'd uh, gain understanding and application as we look to your word and study your word. Lord, we invite your presence in this place. We thank you for this time of worship that we had, Lord, and we just want to continue to worship you through the study of your word. Lord, we also pray if there's anyone that has joined us that is yet to make a commitment to you, to, to follow you as their Lord and as their Savior, to turn from their sin and turn towards you. We pray, Father, that you would touch their heart, especially this morning. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to share in communion as well as we close off our service as well. So, Lord, we just pray your blessing upon it. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, happy 2017. Now, I'm not going to ask what they are, but I'm just curious. How many of you made a New Year's resolution for this year? Just raise your hand. Anybody who made a resolution? I see a few hands. Okay, that's good. Okay, how many of you made them last year? Raise your hand. Okay, how did that go? Good? Not so good? You know, I, I don't know. I think the number one New Year's resolution has been for years to lose weight. And then close second is it would be to get in better shape physically, followed by to get more organized and spend more time with family and friends and so on. But I think as time goes on, as, as years go by, you kind of adjust your resolutions. Like those people who said they're going to lose weight and get in better shape. Well, in 2015, it was I'm going to get my weight down to 170 2016 it was, I will watch my calories until my weight is below 200. And 2017 it's, I'll try to be more realistic in my attitude about weight. <laughs> How about this one? In 2015 it was, I will work out five days a week. 2016 it was, I will work out three days a week. 2017, I will drive past a gym one day a week. <laughs> or this one. In 2015, I will commit myself to getting my finances in order. In 2016, I will pay off my bank loans promptly. In 2017, I will try to be out of the country as soon as possible. <laughs> Here's one I made up. In 2015, I'll make a stronger spiritual commitment. 
In 2016, I will go to church on Sunday and Wednesdays and get involved in men's or women's Bible study. 2017, I'll try to listen to a good podcast every now and then. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. We lower the bar each year as we realize it's hard to keep those resolutions. So what is it that we are to do? Do we say, well, you know what? I just need to accept the inevitable. You know, there's just no way it's going to change. I'm never going to lose weight. I'm never going to get it in better shape physically. I'm never going to make any stronger spiritual commitment. So, so why even try? Well, if that's your attitude, then that's the way it's going to be. In fact, it's probably going to get worse year after year after year. But if you have a different attitude, a resolve to do more than you've done last year, then you will succeed. See, I don't know so much about making New Year's resolutions, but I do believe in a resolution. A resolution is defined as a resolve or a determination to do something, a course of action, a method and procedure. It means a firmness and a purpose. So every one of us should have a resolution in our lives. We need to shoot for things in life. We all need to be growing as Christians. We need to be deepening our walk with the Lord. That's why my challenge for 2017 is we as a church make it our resolution that we are more committed to the Word of God than ever before. You see, you may ask, well, well, why do some succeed spiritually and others fail? The short answer is because they choose to. See, if you want to, you will go for it. If you don't want to, you won't go for it. Because if you have a real desire to, to, to know God more intimately through His Word, I believe you will, by God's grace, do just that. After all, it was Peter who said in first, or 2 Peter 1.3, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. It was Alexander McLaren who said this, and I quote, He that has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the Scripture in his hands has all that he needs. You know, it's like if, if someone bought you a 740 horsepower GT500 Shelby Mustang and said, here's the keys, have fun. And all you do need to do is put the key in the ignition and hit the gas and watch what happens. But all you do is hold on to these keys and you keep walking around the car, you're staring at it, you're talking about it, yet you're looking at it, you're, you're showing people it, you need to get in the car and you need to drive it. In the same way God has given us His Word, it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than uh, uh, the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It ex- exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And yet what concerns me is there are people that will talk so much about how they love the Bible, they'll have multiple translations of the Bible, but they never spend the time reading it. And let me say, there are so many versions that are out there today. I mean, there's always been the King James Version. Then there is the New King James Version. Then there's the Amplified and the New American Standard. Then there's the NIV, the Newly Inspired Version. And, and the, just, just kidding. But, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Then we have the, the specialty Bibles, you know, the Woman's Study Bible. So am I not allowed to look at a Woman's Study Bible? I mean, it's like, don't, that's, that's for women only. Or the military Bible with the, the covers all camouflage. That's a military Bible. I actually own a surfer's Bible. It's, it's waterproof pages, so you can take it out in the water if you want. Sometimes I think they come up with these ideas just, just to sell more Bibles. Then we have Bible apps. You know, you have UVerse Bible app. You have, you know, Logos Bible app, Mantis Bible app. I mean, you, you have your favorite Bible app. Yet how often do we read them? 
How often do we use it? How often do we study it? Because if you want to make gains in 2017, then the place to begin is God's Word. It needs to be a priority in our lives. You must read it, study it, and love the Word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. And if you do this, your way will be prosperous, and you will have good success. Years ago, a man named Billy Sunday received Christ into his life, and, and an older believer gave him some advice he never would forget. He said, William, there are three simple rules I wish you would practice, and if you do, no one will ever write the word backslider after your name. Number one, take 15 minutes every day to let God talk to you. Number two, take 15 minutes every day to talk to God. And thirdly, number three, take 15 minutes every day talking to someone else about the Lord. Simple advice. 15 minutes to let God talk to you through His Word. 15 minutes to talk to God through prayer. 15 minutes to tell others about the Lord. Now, how does God talk to us? Primarily, it's through His Word. This is not something you outgrow. You don't get beyond this. It was Spurgeon who said, and I quote, Nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens without years. End quote. That's true. You don't outgrow your need to study the Bible any more than you outgrow your need to eat food. You know, I, I used to be in this whole eating thing, but I, I kind of gave that up. You know, three, three times a day I used to eat, but yeah, you know, I just snacked. I don't do it anymore. Oh, yeah, I used to breathe. Yeah, that whole breathing thing. I, I'm not into that anymore. Inhale, exhale, inhale. It's just so monotonous, you know. You know. No, I mean, if you're not breathing, you're not living. And the same way, if you're not in regular study of God's Word, then you're going to find yourself crashing spiritually. You know, I have a computer that I have a tendency when I'm studying and preparing for my studies, I open a lot of programs at once. I might have my my Word document open. I may even have ten of them open at one time, looking at multiple messages. Then I have a few of my Bible programs open on there. And then I'll have my web browser, and that's got about five pages. And that will open at once. And maybe I have some music playing in the background. And and what happens is, as I'm studying all of these these programs, they they start to to slow down my system a lot. So I'll go to click on something, and it's like, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. It begins to, to freeze up a little bit. I'll go, okay, this is not good. I realize it's time for a reboot. So I need to shut it down and start it all over again. And, and everything then starts to run smoothly. I think in the same way, some of us uh, spiritually maybe find things are sort of freezing. In 2016, maybe you bogged down a little bit. Perhaps you felt like you got into a rut. We need a reboot. We need to be refreshed. We need to say, Lord, uh, I want to start again. And I do believe uh, wholeheartedly, if you seek the Lord to have a deeper and closer relationship with Him in 2017, God will do that renewing work in your life. Because here's what it comes down to. Christianity will work for every man and every woman because, to put it simply, Christianity is Christ. Now this brings us to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is about the Word of God. It tells us five important things we need to know about the Bible and helping us make that commitment to the Word of God in 2017. If you're taking notes, number one about the Word of God is it's perfect. It's perfect. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Stop there for a moment. So we could easily uh, put it, the Word of God, or even the Bible. The Bible is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. I mean, where are you going to turn when you hit times of crises in your life? When tragedy hits? Your favorite website? You know, you're, you're, you're some clinical psychologist? 
Paul tells us to be weary of that, to, to, you know, and, and, uh, and, and uh, leery of that, rather, in Colossians 2.8, and to beware of getting your resources and strength from the world. It says there, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, you look at other places besides God's Word, you're going to come up empty. The philosophies and the teaching of the world are not Christ. We need something that will give us a strength and direction in our time of need, and that comes from the Word of God. One writer said this, and I quote, One gem from that ocean is worth all of the pebbles from earthly streams. That's true. Just a pebble from the ocean of God's Word can make all the difference in the world. Another person wrote, He who rejects the Bible has nothing to live by, neither does he have anything to die by. End quote. Listen, afflictions, they're going to strike you. Tragedies, they'll come. It happens to every, every, everyone in life. There are no exceptions. But if we have the foundation of God's Word, then we're going to be ready for it when it comes. Get that foundation now. Know what the Bible teaches because things and trends and theories and philosophies, they, they come and go. They're in and out of style. You know, we've heard them over the years. You know, well, you know, what are they saying now? Oh, the, this philosophy and that philosophy and this teaching. But God's Word never is out of style. God's Word is never out of date. It's perfect. In fact, that word perfect there, you can underline it, it it's a word whole. It's complete. It's sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. Now, there are those critics of the Bible, they'll say, well, okay, the, the Bible has been translated and copied so many times down through the centuries, we can't trust what it says today. Even if the Bible was once, once trustworthy, we can't trust it now. Well, as possible, as popular rather as this belief may be, it's a mistaken one. And we have the manuscript evidence to actually prove it to be the case. What is a manuscript? A manuscript is a, a surviving handwritten copy of an ancient document that predates the invention of the printing press in 1455. That today there, there survives more than 25,000 partial and complete ancient handwritten manuscripts, copies of the New Testament, as well as thousands of copies of the Old Testament, many of them predating the time of Christ. Did you know that? Handwritten copies of the Old Testament, copied by scribes prior to Jesus' birth, that survive even to this day. Let me tell you how they were found. This is a fascinating story. Maybe you've heard of it. 1947, a shepherd boy tending his father's sheep in Qumran, north and, and to the west of the Dead Sea in Israel, made an amazing discovery as he was looking for this lost goat. There in Qumran, in the hillside cave that, that had laid untouched for nearly 2,000 years, this 12-year-old Muslim boy discovered a collection of large clay jars containing carefully wrapped leather manuscripts. What this boy stumbled upon was an ancient collection of handwritten copies of the Old Testament as, as dated as far back as the 3rd century before Christ. This is a, a, truly an amazing discovery. Archaeologists spent years searching the surrounding caves. By the time they were done, copies of every book of the Old Testament had been discovered, with the exception of Esther. In some cases, there were multiple copies of the same book. For example, there were 19 copies of the book of Isaiah, 25 copies of Deuteronomy, 30 copies of the book of Psalms. Amazing discovery. Now, even if we didn't have those manuscripts, you know, of the copies of the Bible, there even, even is another way of verifying that we have accurate copies of the Bible, and that's by examining the writings of the church, early church fathers. 
Now, by the church fathers, uh, I'm referring to those leaders in the church from the first three centuries A.D. following the original disciples. Men like Justice Martyr, Eusebius, Tertullian, Polycarp. These men and their writings and correspondence with one another and in their letters to the different churches quote the Old and and the New Testament over and over again. In fact, the early church fathers quote the New Testament alone more than 86,000 times. And here's something that people don't realize. Their writings survive to this day. You can go on Amazon.com uh, as soon as church is over and, and buy an, an encyclopedia size. In fact, you can probably do it during church. You get your phone up, but don't, please. You can buy this encyclopedia size uh, writings of the church fathers and see with your own eyes there are numerous quotations of both the Old and the New Testament. And there's enough quotations from the early church fathers that even if we did not have a single manuscript copy of the Bible, scholars could still reconstruct most of the New Testament today just from their writings. The Word of God is whole. It's complete. It's sufficient. It's perfect. And the Word of God verifies that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So number one, the Word of God is perfect. You can depend upon it. It stood the test of time. It's God's gift to us. Number two, (coughs) excuse me, the Word of God transforms us. Look again at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That word converting, you can underline that, you can be right next to it, Uh, it revives us. It restores us. It transforms us. Maybe you've been in a difficult trial or different situation and difficult situation and you open up God's word and suddenly the Lord just speaks to your heart, something that you just needed to hear and it transforms you. I mean, it gives you a completely different change of attitude, a change of heart. Because as you read God's word, it revives you, it restores you, it changes you. Now, if you don't need to be changed, and, and, and then maybe you don't need the, the Bible, if, if, if you've got it all together, and you don't have any questions, and you don't have any conflicts, and you feel your life is perfect, then I guess you really don't need the Bible. I also guess you're a big liar, right, too, at the same time. Because if you're like the rest of us, then you're aware of your weaknesses, and, and, and you're aware of your inadequacies, and you're aware of your need for God. And, and you will be thankful to know that the Word of God is perfect, and the Word of God can transform you and help you to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be. But you see, it's not just enough to read it. You must process it, and then you must obey it. You must do what it says. James 1, verse 22, 23 tells us, but don't listen, just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. And you don't do anything about it. Maybe you go to a restaurant, you know, and you're thinking, man, I'm looking pretty good. And all of a sudden people are laughing. And they're laughing at you. So you go to the restroom and you check yourself and you see this big old piece of spaghetti hanging from your, your beard. And you go, oh man, that, that's horrible it's there. And you turn around and walk out and don't do anything about it. Keep smiling. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what he's saying. When it comes to the Word of God, God speaks to us through His Word. And we hear it. And He shows me something I need to do. And I see it. But if I don't do something about it, I'm like a fool who looks at his reflection in the mirror but doesn't heed what I see. So we need God's Word to allow it to transform us, to change us. So number one, the Word of God is perfect. Number two, the Word of God transforms us. Number three, the Word of God gives us incredible wisdom. Again, look at the end of verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
Then it says, making wise the simple. I've watched over 17 years that I've been pastoring and, and some 37 years that I've been a Christian, uh, I've seen God give the most simple, ordinary, even uneducated people extraordinary wisdom. Why? Because they spent time in God's Word. I mean, you've heard the saying, what goes up must come down. When it comes to God's Word, must, what goes in must come out. In other words, when you meditate on God's Word, it's like going in and then it's processed. And then what comes out is this incredible wisdom. I think, again, Joshua 1.8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart of your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night and observe to do all that is written in it. I've used this illustration before on how cows have four stomachs. I know this may sound utterly gross. I don't want to milk it too much, but, but hey, a cow will put up its chewed food you know, chewed up food, a cut in their first stomach, and that just simply moistens it. Then it goes to the second and the third stomach, and then it back up again. He starts chewing it again, then back down into the, to the, the stomachs again, then finally to the fourth stomach it reaches and it breaks it all down. See, that's what's supposed to happen with us, not with food, but with the Word of God. As you take it in and you meditate on the Word of God over and over again and you bring it up again and you're thinking about it and and man, God is doing this amazing work in your life and He's giving you this wisdom. Why? Because you've been really chewing on it. You've been really digging into God's Word so that when the difficulties and the trials face in this life, you have wisdom. Now this is also how we can stand against a world that hates our gospel and hates, you know, those of us who preach it. See, if we're going to make an impact in this dangerous world, it's because we know the truth of God's Word. And, and, and you've got to know it and believe it and share it. See, there's something compelling about someone who believes the truth with, with such deep conviction that it can actually move people when they hear them speak. Charles Spurgeon uh, used to say this, and he was such a man. Set a man on fire and people will come to watch him burn. I mean, that was a man named David Hume, a philosopher, or rather the story of a man named David Hume, a philosopher that claimed to be a deist. He didn't believe uh, in the deity of Christ. He didn't believe in the person of Christ. He didn't believe in salvation. He didn't believe in the cross and atonement. He didn't believe the Bible is being inspired. One evening, he was on the streets of London, and somebody recognized him and said, Hey, you're David Hume, aren't you? So he said, Yes, I am. And he asked him, Where are you off to? David Hume said, I'm going to hear George Whitfield preach. Well, the man was taken back and said, George Whitfield, but I thought you don't believe a word that he says. To which he replied, I don't, but he does. See, the same thing is true with, 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 with Dr. Billy Graham. All those years he stood in the stadiums around the world from his youth all the way to his old age, he always said what? The Bible says, the Bible says you need Christ. Terrible imitation, but, but it was the truth, you know, that he passionately believed that. And as a result, people by the thousands by the thousands, believe the saving message of the gospel. That, again, is why we need to have the foundation of God's word deep within our soul so that at a moment's notice we are able to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Listen, if you don't get anchored in, in God's word, then you won't know what truth is and what it isn't because you won't know what to, what to believe and what not to believe. James puts it, you'll be a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. But if you're holding on to the truth of God's word, then that's going to be what prepares you and I to do something great in this world for the Lord and truly make a difference. Number four, the word of God is right. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 19. The statutes of the Lord are right. 
In Hebrew, this means that the Bible has set out the right path for us to follow. See, we don't have to lose our way, our bearings in the fog of human opinion. We don't have to let our fickle emotions lead us or direct us. We have a more sure foundation, the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we don't just hop around in God's Word, that we get book by book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And as you do, you ask that question to yourself. Is there a sin here that I'm reading that I need to avoid? You ask yourself, is there a promise here that I might claim? You ask yourself, is there a victory that I might gain? Is there a blessing that I can enjoy? Knowing the Word of God is right. You can trust it. Some people will ask the question, well, what do you do if you come to a verse in the Bible you don't agree with? Short answer, change your opinion because you're wrong. Word of God is right. But some people, they like to take the Word of God out of context and get it to say whatever they want it to say. We need to understand God's Word in context. We call it 2020 vision. Look at the previous 20 verses. Look at the, 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 the post-20 verses. Get God's Word in context. We need to understand it in its original language. Make sure the translation you're reading is accurate so that you can understand what the verse is actually saying. But having established that, if what you believe is different than what that verse teaches, then you need to change your opinion. See, the bottom line is, is the objective is to conform your thinking to what the Bible teaches, not to try to conform the Bible into what you're thinking. We're told in Romans 12 that, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the problem we have today is we have so many people that are trying to change God's Word to fit their lifestyle, to change God's Word to, to God that they've chosen and things they've decided they want to do. Maybe you heard of this. They have a, a gender-neutral Bible. Okay, first of all, it's not a Bible, okay? But, 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 but they call it that. And they've taken such words as Father and Son and Son of Man, Brother, removed from several hundred verses. Or maybe you're familiar with the Message Bible. I mean, they've not only changed, they've altered God's Word for the sake of relevancy. Compare it to King James Version. Message, man, you'll be blown away. You'll want to throw it away. See, it doesn't work that way. You can't change God's Word and call it God's Word. But the actual right translations, the ones you can trust, you can believe that the Word of God is right, it is true, and if you're not in alignment with it, then you're wrong and you need to change. Don't change the Word. The Word of God is right. Finally, our last point, number five, keeping the Word of God makes you happy. I think we all want to be happy. Look at verse 19, or rather verse 8. Of Psalm 19. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I love that. I mean, that's what this verse is implying. There's a sense of joy as you study God's Word. Jesus said in Luke 11:28, Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. That word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy are those who hear the Word of God and keep the Word of God. You know, you can have a happy life without sin. Without being in this world, a happy life without sex outside of marriage, a happy life without drugs and alcohol, a happy life without selfishness. How? By taking heed to God's Word. Listen, God's not out to ruin our lives. He's not some killjoy who wants to oh, take away all our fun. No. He wants our lives to be fulfilling. He wants us to have an abundant life in Jesus Christ. But sadly, so many people think, oh, if I, if I come to Christ, then there's going to be all these rules and regulations and I have to follow and my life's going to be miserable. There's going to be no fun anymore. That's the furthest thing from the truth. All the world is going to bring you is misery and bondage. 
But the freedom of following Christ and living by the Word of God will bring true and lasting happiness to you. You have God's Word on it. Psalm 1, the first psalm in the book of Psalms, blessed. Oh, how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word of God, the Bible, And then in God's word, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Then he goes on to say that that the wicked are not so. It's not that way for the non-believer. The non-believer, they're blown about by the wind like like chaff. So So I have a choice. I can follow God's word and live a happy and fulfilled life, or I can disobey it and reap the consequences of it. Here's the bottom line. If you want to be successful spiritually in 2017, then you must love and study the Word of God. If you're going to make a resolution for 2017, then it should be to be a man or woman of the Word in 2017. One more thing I want to add before we close and enter into a time of communion, and that is the importance of memorizing God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think I copied that wrong, that verse wrong. Did they get it right up there? I might not sin against you. Okay? <laughs> we need to fix that. All right? Jacob just took it from my notes. Okay? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against the Lord. Let's just get that off the screen completely. Let's just get rid of it out of there. <laughs> That's right. Okay. You know, nowadays, we have Bible apps that make it so nice. You know, we have our phones. We look at them daily. In fact, a recent study by mobileinsurance.com has revealed that the average person spends 90 minutes a day on their phone. That figure may not sound too much, but that amounts to 23 days a year, and 3.9 years of the average person's life is spent staring at their phone screen. Imagine if you just spent a half hour a day reading your Bible on that phone app. I mean, you still have, have a whole hour to play whatever game, Frozen, or whatever you want, or check your Instagram or Facebook or whatever you do on your phone. Or, or just have one verse a week on your phone as your background that you memorize until you got it down, and then switch to something else. See, again, it's not just enough to hold the Bible or talk about the Bible. You need to memorize it, internalize the Word of God in your life. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Another translation would be, let the word of God be perfectly at home in you. God wants to, to, to permeate God's word, to permeate every aspect of your life. No exceptions. He wants it to be a part of our business practices, our business ethic. He wants it to be a part of the way you live as a married man or a married woman or as a single man or as a single woman. He wants it to guide you in raising your children. He wants to instruct you in, in, in the life that you live. He wants to show you what your priorities in life ought to be. And you're only going to find that by studying it and learning it and, inter, inter, and, and memorizing it in your heart. And that's for that reason that, as you guys know, every year for the new year, we choose a verse that we're going to choose for the coming new year. And so I, I didn't want to have just bits and pieces of Psalm 19, so I chose Psalm 18, verse 30, for our verse for the year. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want, and you can underline it, and you can highlight it. It's up there on the screen. Psalm 18, verse 30. This is our verse for 2017. 
As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. Maybe put that on your phone app. Put that on your background. Let's memorize that verse. Start with that verse. I think it all sums up what we've just looked at this morning. I think it's a great verse for the coming year. God is perfect. His ways are perfect. And his word is proven. The idea there is that the word of God has been tried in the fire and it has stood all the tests, uh, all these assaults against it, and it has never, ever failed. It's proven to be perfect. It's proven to transform us. It's proven to give us incredible wisdom. It's proven to be right. And it's proven to make us happy. How do we know this? Because we have God's word on it. So, Make a resolution. 2017 is a year that I am going to read, really dig into God's Word. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to grab a daily walk on on my way out. Read the Bible in a year. If we run out, then you're going to go online. You're going to order one for yourself. So in 2017, we as a church, we make it our resolution that we'll be committed to the Word of God this year more than ever. Amen? Amen. You'll be glad you did. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in Him. Now, here's a big question this morning. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Is He your Lord and is He your Savior? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then He is your shield. He is your protector. Nothing is going to happen in your life that He doesn't first allow to come into your life. But if you don't know Christ, you're open game for the enemy. And, and, and I might add, you can read the Bible all day long, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's not going to make much sense to you at all. You need, you need to have your spiritual eyes open to see what it is saying, and that starts with a relationship with Christ. See, before we close, before we enter into time of communion, I want to give you, if you don't know Christ this morning, an opportunity to change your life for 2017 and on into eternity. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ, to have your sin forgiven so you can be born again this morning. See, God's Word tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to this earth to give His life for yours, to take away your sin, that by you believing in Him, putting your faith and trust in Him, you can have that sin forgiven, be born again, the assurance of an abundant life on this earth and eternity in heaven with, with God. That's why Jesus came to this earth, to give you life. And if you don't have that life this morning, before we enter into communion, I want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray uh, together. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word and how powerful you speak through it to us through your word, Lord. And it is alive and it's powerful. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that has not given their lives to you, they've not surrendered their hearts to you this morning. Lord, I pray that they would not wait another moment, that today would be the day January 1st, 2017, that they would surrender to you. They would turn from their sin and turn to you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, is there anyone here this morning you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You want to be born again today? You want to start with him from this day forward? If that's your desire, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? God bless you in the corner there. Anybody else? want to be truly born again today. You want your sin forgiven. Just raise your hand so I can see it. This is just between you and the Lord, making that commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Well, as it heads about and our eyes are still closed, now is the time really to make a recommitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe this past year you haven't been walking with the Lord at all. 
you've fallen away, you've not been living the way that God has called you to live, you've not been in God's word, you've not been serving him in the way that God has laid in your heart to serve him. You've been doing your own thing, but this morning God has spoken to your heart and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ this morning. You rededicate your life to the Lord and follow him wholeheartedly. That's your desire. Would you raise your hand so I could pray for you this morning? God bless you and you and you in the back. Anybody else? Just raise your hand if that's your moments before we enter into communion.